On the Pasuk, V'hinei anachnu ma'almim alumim b'soich ha'soda, which is of course in the dream that Yosef has, where he's gathered, all himself and the Shvatim are gathering piles of grain in the field. Rashi translates the words ma'almim alumim, he says kitargumoi, as the targum renders it, ma'asirin osorin, which we'll soon see means tying knots. Then Rashi says omrin, which in other words we're referring to sheaves of grain. Then Rashi says, so too we find the Pasuk, noisei alumoisov, carrying his sheaves. The chamoyu says Rashi, and so too in the language of the Mishnah we have, hoalumois noitelumachris, referring to a person that found some sheaves out, outside, he needs to take these sheaves, and he has an obligation to announce it for whoever lost this, uh, these sheaves. Simply, what Rashi is trying to tell us is that the words ma'almim this is something that the student, the Talmud, hadn't learned yet, and therefore Rashi brings from the Targum that the meaning is ma'asurin asarin, tying knots. And then Rashi explains that what are these alumim? This is referring to, it means umrin, it means sheaves, as is evident from the proofs of the, that Rashi brings further. So in other words, together ma'almim alumim, in the Pasuk would mean they are making knots, they're making bundles of stalks of grain, and that is sheaves. So we need to understand. Number one, we know that the style of Rashi usually is only to write Kitar Gumoy without quoting the wording of the Targum. He relies that the student is going to look himself into the Targum, so why is it over here that Rashi needs to quote the words of, of Targum? Number two, Rashi says ma'almim alumim after saying kitar gumoy that it refers to ma'asrin asarin. Rashi then translates the word alumim as meaning omrin as meaning sheaves. Seemingly these two things should have been in two different Rashis, two different Dibra maschils. First is ma'almim alumim which is as a targum renders it tying these knots and then that the word alumim itself really is referring to sheaves. Number three, discussed many times, that when Rashi brings two proofs, it's when one proof alone isn't enough. So the question over here is, why isn't it sufficient to prove from the Pasuk, especially that the second proof isn't even from Tanakh, rather it's as Rashi himself says, Lashen Mishnah. Question number four, why is it relevant to quote from the Pasuk also the words, Noisei Alumoisov? Seemingly, the word noise is not adding anything in the proof. Rashi could have just brought a, a proof from a pasuk that says alumoisov. So too, and Rashi quotes the Mishnah. Again, Rashi quotes more words seemingly that seem more than necessary. Rashi says, noite he takes it and he announces what he had found. Seemingly, just the words that's found in Baba Metzio would have been enough. And we know that Rashi is very particular in his wording, not a word more, not a word less. So the Rebbe says the explanation is as follows. Rashi over here is not only coming to tell us that the word ma'almim alumim means tying knots. Rather, Rashi's main concern over here is to tell us that alumim is, is these bundles, these sheaves. Why is that important? Yosef's dream is similar to what it says in regards to Pari's dream, that Yosef tells Pari that what Hashem is going to do, he had told the future, this nevuah, to Pari. So too over here that Yosef's dream is telling the future that his brothers would come bow down to him, just like their sheaves bowing down to his sheaf. This is why when Yosef goes ahead and tells the story, 
immediately his brothers tell him, are you going to rule over us? In other words, they understand the dream meaning in this way. And his father too, as the Pesach says, Shomar es he's waiting and anticipating to see when is this all going to happen. Says that Rebbe, based on this, we understand that also the details of the dream are accurate and indicate on exactly what's going to happen and what the dream is telling us. This is why Rashi says that alumim is referring to sheaves. That means also the fact that what they were gathering, what they were bundling, is also relevant because this fits very much with what eventually happened practically. And this is why they were particularly tying sheaves, not just tying anything. In Parshish Miketz, the Torah tells us how the dreams have been fulfilled practically. And what happens? First, there was a famine in the land of Canaan. The brothers of Yosef come down to Mitzrayim. Why? To buy produce, to buy grain. And since Yosef is the ruler, he is the one that's feeding, he's giving this grain from those sheaves, from those grain, the produce in Mitzrayim. And this is when his brothers bow down to him and buy the grain, the produce from him. And this is why we say that the words of the dream, which are hinting to the bowing of the brothers of Yosef to him, are specifically related to sheaves, meaning to produce, not just any sort of bundles or ties or knots of anything. And this is why that we say that the, the pile, the sheaf of Yosef stood up and the rest of them, uh, representing the brothers, bowed down to his sheaf. Says the Rebbe, now we can also understand why it is that Rashi brings on the words Ma'almim, Alumim, and he says, Kitargumay, as the Targum tells us. And he quotes the Targum Asrin Asar, and the reason for this is because in addition to Targum Unkelos, there's also Targum Yerushalmi, who translates the words Ma'almim, Alumim, Mikrichin Krichon. Now, that could also mean tying knots, but the word kericha could also mean, in, a different, in addition to a knot, it could also mean wrapping something. Now, according to Rashi, that what was being tied over here is specifically the stalks of grain, so therefore we must say that it actually means knots. Because, when we're speaking about stalks of grain, it doesn't really make sense so much to say that they were wrapping the grain, rather we're tying the grain so they shouldn't scatter in the wind. This is why Rashi also quotes the wording of the Targum, of Targum Uncle saying Ma'asrin Asarin to emphasize that Ma'almim Alumim, they're actually tying knots over here. And therefore, it makes sense to say that what they were tying was, as we said, sheaves, piles of grain. However, if Rashi would have just said the word Kitargumoy without adding what Targum actually says, so that would have included Targum Yerushalmi as well. One could have made that mistake to think that Ma'almim Alumim is not referring to making knots, rather to wrapping something. Lashon Kricha, wrapping. And then it would be difficult to say that we're speaking about sheaves. But since in Pshutah Mikra we just said that according to Rashi Alumim has to be referring to sheaves because only then is it really going to fit with a dream with all of its details that they were coming for the produce and because of that they bow down to Yosef. This is why Rashi first explains that ma'almim alumim means ma'asrin asarin that the Targum says they're tying knots, which would fit very much with tying stalks of grain. On the other hand, since what's forcing Rashi to say that it means as Targum Unklus does, and ma'asrin asarin specifically, why do we have to say it that way? Because we want to translate alumim as sheaf specifically referring to grain. This is why Rashi puts the two things, both the ma'asrin asarin and that it's referring to Amrin, into one Rashi rather than splitting them up into two separate Rashis. Says the Rebbe, but we could still ask from Targum's words ma'asrin asarin, fine, we can understand now that alumim, similar to the word ma'almim, means knots, tying something, and that's a simple meaning because ma'almim, alumim are both from the same shoydish. So ma'almim would be tying 
and alumin would be then being tying that bundle that knot. But according to that, ma'alim alumin could technically just be meaning tying any bundle, any knot of anything. Now, even though, yes, it could include sheaves, stalks of grain, but then, and, and then the dream would make sense, as we said before, but seemingly, not necessarily, does alumim have to then be referring specifically to sheaves, to piles of grain, and therefore, maybe again, it's not 100% accurate. So Rashi says that the word alumim itself actually specifically refers to sheaves. It's not only meaning a bundle or a knot of something. That's why Rashi brings as a, the, a proof from the Pasuk, noise alumoisov. And we asked before, why does Rashi also need the word noise? Because it's specifically the word noise alumoisov that's going to prove that we're speaking about the pile of a, a sheaf, a pile of produce, of produce. Because otherwise, if alumim just means a knot, what would it mean, noise carrying knots? And therefore, Rashi says, adds the word noise from which we can understand that aluma is actually referring to a sheaf of grain. But Rashi is not happy with just bringing that pirush. Because we could still say that alumois maybe does mean knots. And what we're referring to perhaps is sacks that are knotted, that are tied, that contain kernels of grain after they were threshed, after they were separated. But not that alumois is actually referring to piles and sheaves of stalks of grain. Therefore Rashi brings another example from the Mishnah. The context over there is that we need to return something when, if it has a simon, if it has a sign, or at least if the place where it was left could be a sign. So sometimes people would leave something, if it's very heavy, you'll leave it in its place and it's not rolling around, therefore the place could be a sign. So since we're discussing over here not only the word alumis, we're trying to understand the context of what's going on. Because that's going to be the proof that the the alumis that we're talking about is sheaves, is piles of... Of, of grain that are not just rolling around. And therefore, from here, we see more clearly what we're talking about, a pile, a big pile of grain that's tied together. And since, and over here, in this case, is the words of the Mishnah, as Rashi himself emphasized, the word of the Mishnah, which Mishnah generally is clear-cut halacha. And in halacha, the Tana is very, very medayic to speak in a very, very clear and, 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 and way that could be understood in Torah generally the Allah is much more explicit than in Torah So it's understood that when we say the word Alumois over here, it clearly has to have a clear meaning, and therefore we're speaking about something that's usually going to be heavy, and what would that be? A big pile of stalks of grain, which is a sheaf. Rashi, on the other hand, doesn't suffice just with this proof, because we may still say, fine, that's in the language of the Mishnah. But Lashon HaPasuk might be different when it uses the term Alumim. And therefore Rashi brings the Osof from Tanakh, the word Noise Alum Moisov, and in fact that's his main proof, and that's why he brings it first. Says the Rebbe from the Chassidus on this, on, from this Rashi, in Rashi, it's explained in Torah in this week's Parsha, that the avoid of Ma'almim Alumim, spiritually speaking, is the bitter of the sparks that had fallen down to be separated as a result of Shvidas HaKelim. And the job was to, e- to elevate all of these sparks, to be all included in Malchus Datsilos. Through that, they are united there and become one in the Achdus of Hashem. And that's the meaning of Ma'almim Alumim. Just like taking stalks, many stalks that need to be gathered together and tied together in one bundle. The same thing happens with these sparks that were elevating to the world of Atzilus to Achdus Hashem. This idea of bitter and itzoisis to elevate them into the achdus of Hashem applies also to neshamas as explained in Torah. 
So the avoid of ma'almim alumim, where does it happen simply? Out in the field. And you need to have a special involvement to go out into the field, the place of those stalks where they're spread out, scattered, and we need to be involved in gathering them and tying them together. So here is the avoid of how, the hayra of how we need to be involved in avoid sabirudim. In addition to the avoid of the person to gather all of the sparks that are scattered by himself. And to elevate them that they should all be united with Achdus Hashem. Through his avoid of Torah and mitzvahs. There's also an avoid that a person needs to go out from the place where he lives. Out into the field. To be involved over there with the avoid of Ma'almim Alumim. To gather all the sparks that are scattered in the world. And this is the avoid of dealing with other people. To go out of your own Daladamois. To deal with the people that are still in the chutz on the outside. To bring them back to do tshuva. To be makar of them. To avoid this Hashem to his Torah. And to the luminary of Torah which is Panimiya Satoira. Ilona the Chai, the tree of life. And this is what the Rabbeim instituted to send shluchim to various different places, even far places in the world, to gather all these sparks that are scattered there, to spread the mayonis of chassidus, to reveal the mayonis of chassidus. So Rashi tells us, as the Targum tells us, is ma'asri nasari, which means tying knots. That teaches us that the avoid of elevating these sparks has to be in a way of ma'asri nasari, to elevate them, that they should all be connected, attached, tied to their source. Not only kricha, like we said before from the Yerushalmi, which may be wrapped, but rather it needs to be a permanent knot. In other words, the way you impact the other person is that he should be mukusher to avoid this Hashem in such a strong, permanent way that the ruach shtus, the spirit of foolishness, and all the other winds blowing in the world should never disconnect them, chaz v'shalom, from derech What's the way to go about it, Rashi tells us? What's the eitzah? Rashi tells us, after saying ma'asr and Rashi says omrin which are sheaves, which are piles of stalks of grain gathered together, tied together. In other words, if you want the ma'almim alumim should be in a permanent way, you need to first deal with stalks. That means you need to, you're dealing with produce. You're going to, that, as, when you sow these things, you can plant them and they should produce further more and more. In other words, you have to work with the other person in a way that he should be that he himself will bring his own environment closer to Avoid Hashem, and then you're sure that your Avoidah is going to endure, is going to last. Then the Pasuk says, All of your sheaves surround and bow down to my sheaf. In other words, the Shleimus Avoidah in affecting another person is when you achieve and you bring even that person should also come to the sheaf of Yosef Atzadik, the ruler of Mitzrayim, referring to the Nasi Adoir, in other words, bringing the other person also to be connected Excuse me. Having that ishtachavoya and bitul to the nasi. Says the Rebbe, we discussed many times, the day of Shabbos is connected both to the week beforehand. As we say, if you work on Erev Shabbos, you'll have what to eat on Shabbos. It's also connected to the week afterwards, as the Zoya tells us. That Shabbos is a bracha for the whole following week. In other words, Shabbos connects the previous week and the following week. In many years... Pasha's Vayesha falls out on the Shabbos between the Yom Agul of Yutas Kislev and the days of Hanukkah, like in the Kvis, when the Rebbe is saying the Sicha. Says the Rebbe, based on what's known to the Parshish, so the week are connected to the time that we read them, it's understood that this Hayra of the Parsha is connected to the Chagagul of Yutas Kislev as well as to the days of Hanukkah. Says the Rebbe, so too, this Hayra that was speaking about Ma'almim Alumim, this is Shtadlus, to gather all the sparks that are scattered outside of each, is, of each and every person, especially in the Chutzah, in the literal sense. To bring people back to Tshuva, this is the common theme between Yudas Kislev and Hanukkah. The explanation is, one of the main things the Alter Rebbe was involved with, specifically, was making Balit Tshuva. There's a famous story where the Alter Rebbe said to the Mittler Rebbe in connection to a dream that the Mittler Rebbe had, 
that he had, when he heard from the Bezritcher Magad, a marshal regarding Tzadikim and Bali Tshuva, it was engraved in him the concept that you need to be of each and every year. And for five years, he was traveling from place to place, both in an open way and in a hidden way, to be Ma'ayda, to be of Yidin, to Torah and Mitzvahs. After the Gula of Yutis Kislev started the Avoid of Yafutsuma and Esecha Chutzah to be poil, even on the outside, the Yafutsuma and Esecha spreading the wellsprings in the greatest, broadest way. So from here we understand that the Hira of Ma'almim Alumim Besoich Asada in the field, in the outside, is even more so after the Gula of Yutis Kislev. So to the Hira of Neiris Chanukah, it's explained in Chsidis that the reason why the mitzvah of Neiris Chanukah is to put it at the door of the house on the outside is because the idea of the natives is to illuminate to be mevader also the chutz also the darkness also the rishos harabim also the shalosh klub satamei these mountains of separation that means to elevate the sparks of shalosh klub satamei which is basically the avoid of tshuva so through this avoid of ma'almim alumim of gathering all of these sparks that are found in the chutzah by being makar of yidin taviim shaba shamayim so when Yidin do tshuva, as we know, miyadei negolin, b'gaula amit is vashlema, through Moshiach tzedkeinu, b'karev mamash.